Hello, 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 and welcome to yet another edition of Fade the Public. With you as always, my name is Ian Collins, and unfortunately, my, uh, my usual co-host wasn't kidnapped and taken to a concentration camp in China. Uh, Ryan is still joining me this week. My vacation's next week, okay. so that's, uh, that's what we're doing next week. Do you week. know how to dress as a Weiger Muslim? <laughs> Um, no, but Google's a great thing, and I can always consult uh, LeBron James, who is, is educated on the subject. Yeah, just start screaming Allahu Akbar, and things will work out great. Excellent. Excellent. That's the, that's the plan. The tour guide said it's a great time. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing, oh, just unfortunately how accurate Ryan was in last week's run of sports. So how much would you how, let, let's just see how much gloating you want to go through before we get into actually discussing the news of the week. Okay, so let's start number one with uh, my mortal lock of the century, Miami over you, uh, the University of Virginia. Uh, Ian, who won that, that game? Would be, uh, that would be Miami. Okay, and then let's uh, talk about uh, number two, Joe Burrow being the best player in the country. Uh, how'd he do? Uh, he, he did pretty well. Also, that pretty well. that fucking half a point pissed me off so much. Did did he did he do pretty well or did he do really well? He did really well, Ryan. Can we can we talk about his stat line for a second? You're going to anyway, so go ahead. Okay, so Joe Burrow was 21 of 24. Ian, how many completions is that? Incompletions is that? I'm sorry. That is that is three incompletions. And how many yards did he throw for? 300. 300, three touchdowns, LSU scores 42 points on the best defense in the SEC. So can we, can we finally admit, can we finally admit from your end that LSU is the real deal? At no point was I saying they weren't the real deal. I was just saying that until they beat Alabama, I am not going to declare them the best team in the SEC. Okay, can we talk about another point since you wanted to bring up Alabama? Uh, how many points did they give up to Texas A&M? 27. 28. Oh, 28. my apologies. 28. They gave up 28 points to Texas A&M. So, tell me this. A Texas A&M team that scored 20 on Auburn and 31 on Arkansas. So you're telling me that Texas that, that Alabama has the same defensive capabilities as Arkansas. No, that's what you're telling me. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm telling you, and we'll get more into this um, in a couple weeks before the Alabama-LSU game, but I'm just saying, I, I think LSU, uh, I, I thought they were going to run the table, and now I, I think I know they're going to run the table. You know, if I were having this discussion in a more reasonable sense, I might forfeit the point and and take a step back and say maybe I should reevaluate this but out of spite I'm going to say fuck you Bama's going to keep rolling roll tide you're going to you're you're going to die on that hill I, see. I will I die see. on that hill until it has been literal until my corpse has been dragged off of it uh okay so second note well that was the second note, that's, big guy. That's, that's it's, ex- it's a good ex- thing that your uh, your ability to pick football games that image, is better that, than your ability to count, but we'll just proceed. That, that imagery in my head just kind of caught me off guard there for a second. It was something oh, I can only dream of. Oh my, um, I mean, it, sure, we both have an erection after that, but I don't know. Uh, 
Do you, do you have a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> As a matter of I don't fact, know, I don't, it's not I don't, my I pocket, don't un- though. <laughs> I don't understand this wee shit, man. But I do, I um, do how, have a mouse, but it's not my pocket. Um, you have wait, okay. Pause. You have a you have a, a pet mouse. Uh, that was a. That, I guess I should have said gerbil for the joke to go over better. Oh, okay. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I see. I see what you're saying. We're just gonna. We're just gonna pretend that we don't see what you're saying. How good is Baylor? Uh, that was actually getting into the. St- I I thought that you were going to spend more time gloating over that. Uh, no. Okay. My point's been made. Okay. My point's so been made. Had, How good is Baylor? I had three groups that I wanted to discuss with you. We can either talk about the best group of five, we can talk about the surprising undefeated teams, or we can talk about the ranked teams that lost last week. Which one do you want to talk about well, first? Go ahead. Let's start with your best group of five because I think you're going to say Cincinnati. No, I was going to say SMU. I thought you were going to say Cincinnati. Well, it's only because they they uh, they they smoked they smoked old Dana and the boys who are apparently tanking this season. Yeah, no, um, that was my God. I can't believe how lucky we were for him to uh, to up and leave. I mean, could you imagine how bad we would be? This year with him on our staff, I don't. We would not have won a game. Yet. I I honestly no don't way. think we would have. I think we would be winless at this point. But anyway, sell me on SMU. Why why SMU over Cincinnati? Okay, let me pull up some of the statistics. Uh, could you talk about Cincinnati while I pull up the statistics? I can't talk about Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, twenty fifth in the country, currently five and one. They beat Houston on the road. Um, on Saturday, their only loss coming to an Ohio State team on the road uh, in in uh, Columbus. Um, they've beat UCLA at home. They smoked Marshall. They've got wins over UCF. And I know Houston's tanking, but they're, they're, there's talent on that roster. There's not talent uh, on the coaching staff, but there's certainly talent on that roster. Um, not looking, not this since, week there wasn't. They they redshirted three of their best players that were seniors. Yeah, but I think you could look at their recruiting class and say, okay, even if you take those three other players out, they're still good football players on that team. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like they're just like they're playing scrubs. They're they're good football players, but that's beside the point. Yeah, they, they and go it's on the a road. Terrible they, coach. We it's literally beside just the point. They go on about it. That's beside the point. They go on the road. They pick up a win over Houston. I mean, looking at their schedule, they get Tulsa at home, who's two and four. They go on the road to ECU, who's three and three. They get UConn at home, one and five. They go on the road to UCF, who's three and three. Their two hardest games are. The last two games of the season, you're going to have Temple at home, which you should win, and then you go on the road to Memphis, which could be for a spot there in uh, in the the AAC championship game. So I'm I'm high on Cincinnati. I think they could finish the season uh, at an 11 and one or, or maybe a, a 10 and two, but they're right up there. I think they're going to be probably the best group of five team and, and probably one that makes New Year's Six Bowl. I think that they could definitely do that, and. To be perfectly honest with you, I picked SMU because they are still undefeated because they have their top 20 in passing yards and their 35th in rushing yards. Uh, Their defense is a little concerning, uh, to say the least. 
but they are the last remaining undefeated team in the AAC. They've they struggled a little bit against Tulsa, and I forgot about that, so that sort of concerns me. Uh, I may actually abandon ship. Yeah, where where I was just where I'm confused, I guess is uh, is is how you you come up with SMU off a of bye week. Yeah, no, I'll be honest. I uh, didn't do as much preparation as I had uh, planned to. I just wanted to tell you to go fuck yourself after that opening uh, montage of. Fair enough. Well, since well, we, since I'm I such also a go with since I, Boise State and App State as since I'm choices. such ooh ooh App State another solid one <laughs> another solid one, but I, I think we're gonna see I think we're gonna see SMU pick up a couple losses with uh, with Temple coming at. Uh, to town this weekend um 330 slot on espn2 that one should be their first uh their first big test of the season to see where they're at other than tcu um but i you know i don't i'm not sold on tcu one way or the other nope uh this year so we'll see um but uh i don't know the group of five race is going to be interesting with with appalachian state sneakily undefeated and, and boise state with a couple good wins as well well boise state i believe is Still undefeated, aren't they? I believe so. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and then, what do you think of Memphis after that first loss against Temple last week? Um, you know, they're still competitive. I mean, that, that's Temple's that other team that's like, you know, not bad. They're pretty good. I mean, uh, I mean, it's we, concerning. We had this discussion. Had two losses already. We, not, we had this discussion. We had this discussion last week that I, you know, the AAC is is pretty evenly balanced top to bottom yeah you know so that loss last week doesn't surprise me per se but you know i don't think it's anything to to sound the alarm about it's a two-point loss on the road right temple temple only has one loss and that that came to uh to buffalo so that was also on the road oh that's right buffalo i mean obviously not not a great football team but you know I don't think it's anything to to be concerned about that you've got a five you lose to a five and one temple on the road. So hmm. uh do they play each other this year, uh Cincinnati and Memphis? I know that Memphis yes. plays SMU. Yeah, so if you were listening to me five minutes ago I, I said uh I most certainly was not. Okay, so if you were listening to me five minutes ago to my – actually, we had 15 listeners last week. So if you were one of the 15 listeners listening this week, well, if we keep decreasing in half. Um, so if you're one of the eight listeners, seven and a half listeners listening this week, Marone counts as half a person, uh, you, will, uh, you will have heard me say five minutes ago that Temple and uh, Cincinnati play on the last game of the season. Not Temple, Memphis and Cincinnati. I talked myself into a hole there. Um, so, yep, I, I like Cincinnati. I think they'll probably see SMU in the AAC championship game. That, that'll be pretty exciting to watch. Um, what was the other two points you wanted to discuss? Before I do move on to those, if Appalachian State manages to beat South Carolina, and this will lead us into the team, the ranked teams that lost, who do you think, what do you think the chances are that they remain undefeated and get one of those uh, at the New Year's Bowl games because they're undefeated, because their next best, the two, like their remaining schedule is University of Louisiana Monroe, USA, Georgia Southern. That's a win. 
That's a win. South Carol at South Carolina is definitely their toughest. That's one I just I can't figure out. Uh, That's one I just can't figure out. Then they also have at Georgia State versus Texas State and at Troy. Uh, Troy's going to be a win. Texas State's going to be a win. Georgia State is is they're a pretty good football team. I mean they yeah. they're they're okay. Um, that'll be a tough test there on Sat on on Saturday, November sixteenth. I think South Carolina is really the 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 biggest game they have left on the schedule. If they get through that, I think they they end up undefeated. And even if they have one loss to South Carolina on the road, I don't see that being a a tick. Um, you're a, a bad mark on the resume. No, right. but now, I would... think that they would have to win all of these games in order to get that New Year's Six Bowl game because I'd agree. Because I'd agree there because are teams they're... like Cincinnati and Memphis and Boise State that they're competing with. Right, right, and I think if you look at it in that regard, if they're not undefeated, they won't have it. They won't get in over even like a one-loss Cincinnati or a one-loss SMU. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, especially because the one loss for Cincinnati would have been against Ohio State. Right. Who's, exactly. Who looks like they're just rolling. Uh, but now moving on, uh, so that you can continue to gloat. The three ranked teams that lost this week were the University of Virginia, Wake Forest. And Georgia. Yes. So, where do you want to start? Well, let's. How about let's, how about Texas? By the way. Well, I was talking about Texas. The, also lost. They lost to unranked teams. I should have specified. Okay. Well, um, South Carolina was somewhat surprising to me. Uh, I thought they'd go in and get their shit kicked in by Georgia. To be completely Just honest like with you, everybody else, I was in the same yeah. boat. Right. So. So, um, not super duper surprising. Um, I watched that game, uh, in a South Carolina bar, which was, which was fun. I mean, not super duper surprising. It was very surprising. Um, I watched that game in a sports bar with a bunch of South Carolina fans and, you know, I kept thinking, okay, when's South Carolina going to blow it? I mean, you lose, you lose Helensky. You got your third string guy in there against such a great Georgia defense and, and, and playing against Jake Fromm, who never makes mistakes. I mean, he's just a rock-solid quarterback. Comes out and turns the ball over four times. Um, and then that Rodrigo, uh, the kicker, um, who is just – I mean, the guy's lights out um, for you know kicking the ball, especially within, within 40 – I think it was 49 or 50 yards. And he misses a big field goal there at the end of overtime to tie it. So big upset there. I, I think the more surprising one was wake. And I, you know, I've never been sold. I haven't been sold on wake all year, but you know, Louisville's not horrible. They're four and two. They're not like a, a losing. They'll make a bowl this year, but hanging 62 on wake on the road, not a great look for the ACC kind of uh, tanking themselves like that. And then, uh, you know, taking themselves, I guess, if that even makes any sense. It doesn't. And uh, no, it doesn't. Um, Iowa losing, not a huge surprise. I think Penn State kind of vindicated himself this week uh, in terms of being a contender for for their side of the Big Big Ten. Um, you know, nothing else other than my I miscalled FSU so bad. I thought they would hang with Clemson, and they just didn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I I don't remember much discussion but the uh the FSU that that 27 points I I didn't expect it to be generous by the end of the day but boy did it look like it 
I really thought it would be – I thought they would keep it close, and it was it was never even close. That game was a blowout from the beginning. Yeah, wasn't it, um, wasn't it like a 21 or 28-point lead by like halfway through the second quarter? Yeah, yeah, I mean it was – Taggart, Taggart is so lost on the sideline. It's it's unbelievable. But uh, uh, you know we we've beat that so we've, far. <clears throat> we've I think they played five or six. He, he'll be done at the end of the season because we need to. We made the prediction. You set the over under at six. I set it at seven. No, I uh, I set the over under at six. You set it at seven. I said it would be seven games though. I just don't. I don't right now like. I just don't see them firing him mid-season just because I think you still have something to play for at 3 and 3. Um I guess you know, that's you've got true. Winnable, you've got winnable games still on your schedule. I think you could steal one at Wake. I think you're going to get you're going to beat Syracuse. I think you're going to beat Miami and, and then you're making a bowl, right? So, yeah. you also have uh you have <clears throat> Alabama State late in the year that, that could maybe get you to bowl eligibility. Um I think the day we see him get fired is the day after Florida beats them seventy-five to zero. But um, I don't know. We'll maybe see. Felipe Franks comes back and he ends, <clears throat> it ends up being ten to nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Florida's offense suddenly hits the skids and uh, and it's a ten nothing game. But that is that is on the road for Florida State. So uh, we'll cover that later in the season if this podcast still exists. Uh, but until then, we'll table that discussion. The big one, the mortal lock of the week, Miami. I called that during our pick section last week. Um, that's just such a that's just such one of those games where you look at the two teams coming into it and, and just kind of say, "Yeah, this this is just spells home underdog uh, all day." Um, I'll be honest with you; I didn't watch the game. Um, I woke up half drunk on Saturday morning and saw that I. I hit my bet, so uh, that was always a nice, nice way to start my Saturday. But uh, you can just go ahead and tell me I was right, and uh, we'll move on. Yeah, no, you were right. And on the note of that, the reason I'm not very prepared for the college section this week is because I spent, I think, of the waking hours, uh, of the 24 hours on Saturday. I think I spent one of them not drunk or asleep. So. So, uh, that is why I didn't really, I, I legitimately don't, didn't really know what happened in most of these games this past weekend until I checked a few of them like 30 minutes before we started. Well then, on that note, let's, uh, how about we make our transition to the NFL and, uh, the mayor's bet. Uh, before, before we do that, uh... There was one other thing I wanted to... Are Baylor, Penn State, and Minnesota... Penn State... I'll remove Penn State from this. Are Baylor and Minnesota actually for real? I don't know. I can't get a read on Baylor. You know that, that Texas Tech game scares the hell out of me. Because how, about as a, the, as a, how about the fact that Texas Tech... The Big 12 came out and admitted that, they, that the officiating screwed over Texas Tech, but they still find the uh, athletic director for criticizing them in public. Yeah, and all the Texas Tech fans are like paying the fine for him. There's like some lawyer or like the chancellor emeritus at Texas Tech is is literally going to pay the fine for him, which I, I think that's so hilarious. Like, you know, the the coach comes out and says, "Hey, we we'd like you to investigate this," and then the Big Twelve comes out and says, "Hey, we screwed up," and then uh, Hol- Holcutt says, 
hey, look, they said they screwed up. And then the Big 12 was like, fuck you for telling everyone we screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> I don't know. Um, let's just say that, uh, you know, Baylor is playing solid football. Um, Texas Tech, you know, they beat them at home. The, the thing about Baylor is they, they beat Iowa State at home. Uh, they beat Texas Tech at home. And, and that's really their only two good wins this year. I think we'll find out whether Baylor's for real this weekend, uh, this Saturday yeah, against yeah. Oklahoma State. Yep. Uh, yep, and I think that's going to be a classic case of the Big Twelve just kicking itself in the balls and Oklahoma State winning that well, by like not, five touchdowns. Well, it's only kicking itself in the balls if Oklahoma goes down because that it, we knew coming in that Oklahoma was the far and away favorite, and everyone else is just competing for second place, right? Right, but but. But if you've got listen, like if you've got, I, I understand what you're saying, but but here, like if you've got Baylor undefeated coming into Oklahoma mid-November, they're going to be, and they get Oklahoma at home, which okay, McLean Stadium is not an intimidating atmosphere, but still, that'll be a night game. It's going to be kind of funky. It's Oklahoma's probably biggest game of the year. Um, I I think Baylor could could possibly make a run at the college football playoff as crazy as that sounds like think about this they beat oklahoma state you know which which is plausible that could happen they play us next on a thursday night we're gonna get our shit kicked in west virginia that us being west virginia so then they go on the road to tcu which is a rivalry game they'll be ready for that right so you know you get 10 days to prepare at that point they're nine and oh with Oklahoma at home the next week, Texas at home the week after that, and they play on the road at KU to close the season. So really, if you're Oklahoma State or if you're Baylor, you've got three more games to play, and and if you win all three of those, if you focus and win those three games, you are in serious contention for the college football playoff. Yes. It, you know, and, and what you're going to need a little help because I think the Big 12, especially with the eight, the way the SEC is playing out, and how good Ohio State looks is probably going to be on the outside looking in. But I mean, it's plausible. It's really plausible. And honestly, the Big 12 needs Baylor to be undefeated when they play Oklahoma. Because that could be a game where Oklahoma goes in. And, and we all know as Big 12 fans that that uh, Baylor's not that good. And they don't have any marquee wins. But the media is going to look at Baylor at 9-0 and and say, oh, this is a top 10 team. And then Oklahoma goes in and just totally beats the shit out of them uh, on the road. Jalen Hurts puts up like 400 yards. And then now, and, and and at the same time, you've got Clemson and Notre Dame at kind of dragging ass um, <clears throat> towards the end of the season, not really impressing anybody. And uh, maybe Georgia picking up another loss or LSU or, or Alabama picking up a loss. And then you're thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be Ohio State uh, a Big 12 team, either Baylor or Oklahoma, which if Oklahoma beats the shit out of Baylor, they've got a marquee win, and then two SEC teams. So that's important. I really think Baylor needs to be undefeated when they play Oklahoma for the Big 12 to really have a chance of getting anybody in the playoff. I I disagree that they have to for us to have a chance, but I think that if they are, it will make the chance that Oklahoma gets in a lot higher. But if Jalen Hurts keeps his Heisman campaign up there – I think that there's still a decent chance. Yeah, because at the end of the day, people want to tune in and watch the Heisman play, right? Yeah. Like a Heisman, the Heisman winner will be out of who gets selected to go to the playoff. Yeah. I don't see a I don't see a Heisman coming out of someone that doesn't make the playoff. Exactly. So, 
Uh, also, just to touch on Minnesota, their wins so far are against San Diego, San Diego State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Illinois, and Nebraska. Yeah, they've got nothing impressive. No. And then they get Rutger, they get Rutgers this weekend. And then Maryland will be falling again. They will be 8-0 be... going into their game against Penn State, which may actually be a it may be a battle of the unbeatens because Penn State I will get to it later, but I think Penn State is uh is going to be undefeated when they match up. Because they would just have to win against Michigan this weekend and then beat Michigan State next weekend. And then that would be a battle of unbeatens. Which would be a... You know... How, that, would be a that would be basically the exact same thing you were talking about with Baylor not having proven anything. But uh, going into facing off with Oklahoma. And I, I right. guarantee game day would go there because they want an excuse to go to Minnesota because they haven't been there in forever if they ever have been but right but it's i mean two undefeated big 10 teams after nine eight nine weeks of the season that's that screams game day uh call me call me fucking crazy but i think michigan wins this weekend the we'll get into that all right so on that note in my picks about how i'm always right uh, how about we go to our mayor's bet, Ian? How about you remind everyone what the mayor's bet was? Now, if I recall, I took the I took the Washington Redskins over the Miami Dolphins, and we took it with against the spread, and so I had to have the three and a half point win over the. I had to have the Redskins win by at least four points to win this bet. Correct. Correct. And, and uh, the score was, for the listeners that didn't realize this is the tank-off game, uh, Miami scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter and then purposely missing an extra point so they would lose and remain at 0-5, which is just classy. Very classy. So Ian goes down with the old win but don't cover the spread, and now he owes me a case of beer. Yeah, I would like to point out that the fact that that is how they lost is so infuriating because if they would have gone into overtime, the odds that Washington would have actually just scored a touchdown are actually fairly good. And so I lost because Ryan Fitzpatrick decided to come in and didn't get the fucking memo that they were supposed to lose this game. And so scored two touchdowns in the last quarter of the fucking game. And then Brian Flores was like, hold on a second. This dude doesn't realize what we're trying to accomplish here. <laughs> and so called one of the worst two-point conversion plays I've ever witnessed with, with my own eyes. He wasn't doing it on purpose. There's no way. There's no way they were purposely tanking that game. I love it. I love it. Like they literally, just pulled it's like Xavier Howard, who would practice all week, and they he had practiced every day last week, and he didn't play in the game because of knee soreness. I'm just saying. The idea. <laughs> I would like to tell you right now that I I stand by my decision that that was a good bet because who would have guessed that they they would have been. They would have put Fitzmagic in after finding that out about what they had done last week. I saw it as like a, a classic example of like, you know, when you're playing uh 
when you're playing against like you know a date or something and putt putt and you've got you know you just kind of drag an ass the whole time and then like the last few holes come up and you accidentally make a couple and you know you've got like a two footer to win and, and she's real hot and you're trying to take her home and you just say okay I can't make this putt so you like accidentally hit it real hard like four feet past the hole and you're real upset and you're so bummed you kind of put on an act but everybody knew at that at that moment what you were doing and that's exactly what Miami did with that two-point conversion I like to think of it as uh have you ever seen semi-pro with uh Woody Harrelson and Will Ferrell you know I have but I feel like I was half wasted on the bus ride home from a maniacs trip last time I saw it. So whatever reference you're going to make, I'm sure our eight, seven and a half listeners will know it, but I, I'm not going yeah, to. So uh, there's a point in which if they get to 123 points, I believe it is, then everyone in the arena gets free corn dogs uh, and they don't have the money to cover it. So Jackie Moon starts blocking his own players uh, <laughs> while they're shooting the ball. And that's sort of what I think Brian Flores did to the Miami Dolphins on that two-point conversion. 110%. Okay. He said, he said we cannot afford to win this game. <laughs> we can't do it. Uh, other notes from uh, your NFL Sunday. Yes. Now we can actually get into things I have some idea about what happened. So I wanted to spend this this section... Sort of like how last week we had some hot takes. I wanted to discuss the teams that are surprisingly bad this year. There's the AFC North we can start with. Uh, The Cleveland Browns just, their offense is, they decided to show up pretty much for for, for the second time all season. They showed up against the Ravens and against the Seahawks, but then couldn't play defense against basically Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson. That is Here's, that is what happened in that game. You, the problem starts with B and ends with Aker Mayfield. Five touchdowns, 11 picks this year. He has been... Is that bad? I, I, I really, like, I want to be a Baker Mayfield fan. I love his swagger. I think it's great. But this is like a classic case of, like, the sophomore slump, right? Kind of gets overhyped. Case of them hiring a coach that had a good. Not only was he not the head, he wasn't even the head coach. They hired him because he had a good offense last season. I don't know what changed, but they have been playing like utter dog shit on the offensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, Miles Garrett has is tied for the league lead in sacks with nine after six games, and their defense is like. It's decent. It may not be the best in the league, but it's it's holding up its end of the bargain. And the offense has Odell Beckham Jr. It has Nick Chubb. It has Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, and they are just not doing fuck all. It's turnovers. It's turnovers, man. Eleven picks. They've played six games. He's thrown it. He's averaged basically two picks a game. That's horrible. You can't do that in the NFL. No. You just can't do it. I mean, and, and I'm surprised, and maybe it's just because, you know, I don't know even know who his backup is, but is it still Tyrod? I have no no idea. I mean, that that's the thing is, like, I feel like there's no one there to back him up or put pressure on him, and I think that's half the problem, right? It's like last year I think he was focused and had and knew he had to be sharp because, he, you know, Tyrod was not impressive, but Tyrod started the year, right? So there was pressure there to come out and play well, and I don't think he had that in the offseason. 
And it got overhyped, and everyone said, hell yeah, the Browns are back. And the Browns are definitely not back. They're, I don't, they're I, not going to make the playoffs. I think it's I think it's all on Freddie Kitchens because I think he play, he coached last year like he had nothing to lose, and now that he actually has the job, I don't think he really knows what to do with himself because he had never been higher than a running back coach before last year. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. I mean, it starts with the guy up front, right? Yep. That hype, you know, like a, a good front man, like, I don't know, Bill Belichick, uh, has always been great at managing hype. I mean, you know, the Patriots are always going to come into the season and think, oh, man, the Patriots are going to be great. And I feel like Bill Belichick sets a tone in the locker room that, that says this is still a fucking job and you need to and you need to treat it like one. And, and maybe Freddie's not doing that. Well, my on that note, my you know what my one of my favorite stories about that philosophy from Bill Belichick is? Is that back in 2004, when they had the that season, they had carried over a winning streak from the previous season where they won the Super Bowl. And I think it still remains the longest winning streak in NFL history in the regular season. They went 14-2, and and then while celebrating their Super Bowl win, they had, you see, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Rodney Harrison, saying, nobody believed in us. It's like, dude, everybody believed in you. Not a single yeah, exactly. person doubted you. Uh, there is, yeah, there is no one out there saying, I don't know how good the Patriots are, right? Like, ever. Like, you never hear, like, oh, I don't know if the Patriots are any good this year. And uh, somehow, Belichick has total. well, this year we can get to in a second. But, you know, um, Belichick just has such great control over the locker room that, you know, just, it, I don't know. It's, it's not Freddie Kitchens at the helm, that's for sure. Yep, and then... Uh, we can just touch on the other two teams that are disappointing. Uh, well, I guess the Bengals aren't necessarily disappointing. They're just as bad as we expected them to be. Uh, it's unfortunate because I, they've just gotten so injured. It's painful to look at. Like, John Ross actually showed up because they had nobody else, and then he gets injured. Like, I, I feel bad for Zach Taylor at this point, but I think we've already talked talked about that then uh D- duck hodges uh came in and led the steelers to i believe it was their second victory of the season over the uh you are correct over the chargers uh and that actually leads to the next team that is surprisingly bad this year what the fuck happened to the chargers i mean i i just i i don't know Maybe Philip Rivers is having too much sex. What's he got? Nine kids now. Did he have a new one over in the off season? I think he did. They beat Indiana, which okay, you're looking at that and saying, "All right, you know that." The only reason they won that team. though was because Adam Vinatieri basically like had a had a senior moment and didn't realize he was supposed to kick the fucking ball through the uprights. They beat Miami, okay, so those are their two wins. But you can kind of justify Houston's a good team. Denver makes no sense. The last two losses have just made no sense. Well, Denver I think, seems like I, it's on the upswing. Yeah, I think they do. I think they woke up and kind of said, well, maybe we are a good football team. I don't know. Yep. Uh, and so just looking at some of the other teams, uh, we can move on to the NFC East where the Dallas Cowboys, once again, nobody wants to win the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys lost to the fucking Jets, and they were this close to being my dumpster fire of the week this week. 
Can we talk about just how hilarious that is? Yes. How how great is that? Yeah. What are your thoughts on 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 the Cowboys losing as a as a closet Washington Redskins fan? Uh, well, it's I'm only an open fan of. The, I only wear their attire because it has a racial slur on it. Uh, the the fact that they lost. That's a joke, guys. <laughs> Just for. for <laughs> For for future reference, when when I'm running for political office, I do not agree with that, and and that is satire on Ian's part. That uh, the Washington R words are not PC, and uh, and we do not agree with Dan Snyder's decision not to rename the team the Washington Snowflakes for all of the snow that get they get in Washington D.C. Uh, sure, let's go with that. Um, but yeah, no. So Dallas. It, it's actually kind of, I'm not sure what's funnier, the fact that last year they actually had a run to make it so that Jason Garrett would still keep his job this year, because he's clearly, it's t- been too long, and he should, should have been gone a while ago. Uh, the fact that Kellen Moore is probably their best coach on the staff is a concern, considering he is, this is his first year as an offensive coordinator, and uh, he's only been a coach for less than five years, I believe. Uh, that defense was picked apart by Sam Darnold, who thought he might die the week before if he played football. Uh, Adam Gase, who, fun fact, without, uh, with Sam Darnold out for the previous four weeks, I think, and only having played the first week. Do you know how bad New York's offense was? Yeah, it was horrible. It, no, no. I mean, you, couldn't was, even, you couldn't even call it an, it you was call it an offense. It was historically bad. It was so bad that Christian McCaffrey had more yards per drive than the entire Jets' offense. It was so, so bad that it was literally the worst offense in 43 years. So how the fuck does Dallas hold New Orleans to 12 points and then turn around and give up 24 to the Jets? Explain that to me. That's all on the head coach. The head coach didn't prepare him for it. They went in cocky, thinking that it was going to be a bye week, and then they got, they got smoked because Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. Adam Gase... It has the potential to draw up a good play design. And that, like, they aren't terrible. They actually, it's worth remembering that before the season, they were expected to be a decent football team. And then Sam Darnold missed four four weeks with Mono. They lost their starting middle linebacker that did everything for them in the middle of the first game, which is why they didn't win it. And then I think they just got him back this week. And I think that is what did it more so. The fact that they got those two players back this week is what gave them that win. So the double-edged sword where you've got, you've got someone that's not prepared and then the Jets who are like, hell yeah, we got a little swagger back. We're going we're gonna to come out here and play well. Yeah. Then the Eagles secondary just doesn't exist. Uh, that's pretty much all that you need to know about that. Oh, and none of their receivers can catch. That's another fun one. Uh, they have the NFL high of 15 drops, uh, but no, re- wow. no receiver has more than two. <laughs> that is one hell of a statistic. <laughs> 15 drops, 
No one has more than two, so everyone's dropping the ball. That may have been from last week. I don't know if it's accurate for this week, but it was a uh, a fun statistic nonetheless. Well, next week truly is the uh, the loser leaves town game. I think we're going to find out who's for real next week in Dallas. I think I'm so. really looking forward to that. Yep. Really looking forward to uh, that. And then just trying to finish off these before we get into the dumpster fire of the week. Uh, the New York Giants actually stand a chance of winning this division with Danny Dimes. Yeah, you're, which you're is, just saying that because they played they played New England well. That's fine. Homer, Homer – Homer take there. No, Pats I'm fan. saying it because every team in that division is garbage and they're only one game back. No one likes to win this division any year, ever. The, the fact is that New York Giants probably won't win because I th- still think that the Eagles are the best team in this division, but they could because... The Eagles don't have a secondary, and because the Dallas Cowboys just forgot how to play football over the last three weeks. Uh, and unless, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the NFC East? Um, not really. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's. I guess it's winnable for the Giants, but I, I, I still think it's going to be the winner of next week's game, Philadelphia or Dallas. Yeah, that, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, also, the Rams are disappointing and have really stumbled. I don't think the Ra- I think the Rams and the Cowboys have both lost three consecutive games, uh, which isn't which is not good for those keeping track at home. Uh, no, that's not good. And I think um, I think it's all on Jared Goff, who had a once a, just an awful, awful, awful week this week. Well, now that Jalen Ramsey is in L.A., it's going to fix everything, right? Uh, well, they just traded away Marcus Peters, which Jalen Ramsey is better than Marcus Peters, but he's not that much better to where he's going to completely fix all of their problems on defense. Well, yeah, they're only giving up, what, two first-round draft picks? It's not a huge deal. No, it's not a problem. Yeah, not a problem at all, right? I don't win see. today, worry about win today, worry about tomorrow. tomorrow I, I think right? you mean lose, <laughs> lose today and then get fucked for the next two, two years. Um... Oh, and uh, then okay. We'll, we'll, a qu- qu- question for you. Question for you: Is Cam Newton on the hot seat? Uh, I don't think so, because he hasn't been healthy since that 2015 season, and so I can't say that definitively until he plays a game while healthy. Uh, but if he doesn't step up when he does come back healthy, he will be. That's I think that's my point is that like he hasn't been healthy since 2015. How long does it take? I think he's done. I think he's done. I think if Cam Smart, he's built his brand up so well. I think he just says I'm hanging up the I'm hanging up the the hat. I'm going to do my whole fashion thing. Maybe go on TV. I think he'd be really good on TV. And uh and let uh let the Panthers uh see what they can do without him because so far it's it's been it's been good. I mean, McCaffrey is McCaffrey's doing superhuman things, you know, uh, and our boy Kyle Allen is out there just slinging it around. Seven touchdowns and no picks. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the season Kyle Allen would be a significantly better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, I would have called you, like, high. Like, like what kind of meth are you doing, Ian? But here we are. Seven, are those seven touchdowns. Questions? They can be, but they don't have to be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we are already at 40 minutes, so we should probably 
move on to the dumpster fire of the week. Uh, mine this week. That's fine. We don't want to talk about how good the Panthers are, but we can go back to uh, – th- this is a nice transition because fuck, the, fuck the, the team you're about to talk about. Yeah, so my dumpster fire of the week is all Atlanta sports. Uh, all Georgia Atlanta sports for this week. Here's a list of what happened from Sunday to Sunday of this past week. Sunday, the Falcons lost at Houston 53-32. to Monday, the Braves lost to St. Louis in the, world, in the uh, divisional round of the, the NLDS. That's what it's called. 5-4. Uh, to four. Forced St. Louis forced a game five where they scored ten runs in the first inning, and St. Louis won thirteen to one. Can we add a caveat to that that St. Louis then just got swept by the Nats? Yes, it's all about that <laughs> attitude, my dude. In, in, insult to injury, but continue. Yep. Uh, Georgia lost to South Carolina, which we uh, discussed a little bit earlier in double overtime, twenty to seventeen. Georgia Tech also lost to Duke, uh, 41-23. Not super relevant, but nice little cherry on top. And the Falcons lost to Arizona, 34-33. They're horrible. They are fucking horrible this year. I didn't see that coming. They've been so consistently good for for a while. Uh, They just haven't seen, you know, I don't think they can get over the hump. And I don't know what happened, but they're trash. I thought that they would have a down year, but I thought that they'd be like seven and nine, eight and eight. I did not expect them to be this bad. No. No, not at all. But here we are. It's a great thing for the Panthers, so I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, Panthers. uh, So. uh, Do you feel like the Panthers actually have a chance of winning the division with. uh, the Saints still rolling without Drew Brees? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I'd like to think so, but Teddy Bridgewater's pretty good. Not to derail your bridge, your dumpster fire of the week. Well, I mean, it's but, I, all I needed to do was to describe what happened. It's just, it's just embarrassingly bad. Uh, but uh, how about we go into your dumpster fire of the week? Well, I, I think I texted you about this because um, I knew you would have some uh, nice opinion on it. Um, I'm sure we, we mentioned briefly about the dumpster fire that is the NBA in China. Uh, but really, to add insult to injury, LeBron James, in his infinite wisdom, um, decided to talk to the media after his practice on uh, Monday night and essentially said that Maury was, quote, uneducated about the situation and... Uh, didn't think about the repercussions of his tweet. He said, we have freedom of speech, but sometimes we don't think about the consequences of our freedom of speech. And it was wrong for him to, to speak out about what's going on in China because he hurt people he didn't mean to hurt. Um, so basically, LeBron James comes out and, and all he's been pushing for as long as you can see it in the media is equality and human rights. And, you know, everyone is equal and, and you know, leveling the playing field. And then he goes, as soon as it tries to, it starts to impact his wallet, uh, he says, oh, wait a minute, I need all that revenue from China for my new movie. So actually, fuck Daryl Morey, uh, China rocks. Um, to, to caveat that, he came out today and kind of doubled down and said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said anything, but, you know, we need to think about our actions. 
Um, so, Ian, thoughts? Okay, first of all, before I get into my rant that I'm about to go on, he actually also said that uh, that's that's just something for politicians to discuss. That's not we're not gonna dis- I'm not gonna get into those politics. Uh, yeah, didn't he? Um, I, but but during Hillary Clinton's campaign last year, I believe he gave a speech at it. Uh, it was it was a few years ago, but yes, and uh, thank you, because we're about to. I'm about to explain exactly why I fucking hate this. I was always like big on LeBron because I thought, you know what, he's not the most likable guy, but he's doing what's uh, like he's doing the smart thing, and I can respect that. This. This wasn't smart. This was stupid. He legitimately, I understand it. I disagree with it. The problem is that he could have shut his stupid fucking mouth and this would have gone away because people are, people are easily distracted. People would have forgotten that this happened once the season starts in a week or two and it would just go out of the news because ESPN is also in on it and getting messages telling them not to discuss it. I mean, I'm not sure if you saw that. They had the nine-dash line that just grants China the South China Sea, which is illegal. That's not an actual thing you see anywhere outside of China, but don't worry, ESPN is pushing that. So I found it very interesting. I tuned into ESPN the next morning and um, no one was talking about it. It wasn't discussed on first take. If you looked at a lot of the ESPN like Twitters and people like that work for ESPN kind of they kind of avoided the subject. They didn't comment on it because Big Daddy Disney knows who pays the fucking bills and it's one seventh of the world's population over there in China. Oh, and let me continue on that, and then I'll get back to what LeBron said. So they actually, there have been two statements about this from analysts on ESPN since it started. One was by Jay Williams, I think it was yesterday morning, where he said, what do you expect LeBron to do? People are getting, like, what kind of comment is, he's not going to make any sort of change, which is a reasonable statement to make, until he then follows it up with, "He's you, you think he should risk getting kidnapped for this? China is not going to kidnap one of the top five or ten most famous athletes in the world who is an American citizen because he made a criticism of China. Because that would legitimately lead to war <laughs> with America. I mean, I, I genuinely love the, like, the, the, the justification for it. Like, well, I mean, he's just trying to get paid, man. Like, it's not a big deal. Well, I mean, I'm, I get that, but... You can't push both sides of it. Like, it's, it's, you just can't sit on one side and say, I'm all about equal rights and I think everyone should be treated fairly and then come out and say, um, actually, like, fuck Daryl Morey because he's speaking out against what China, the Chinese government is doing to people. And that's one of those you things, know, like, I'm I'm not even going to get into the sort of politics that they talk about domestically because they you can agree that they have points or not, but to give perspective that even if we're talking about the people that are imprisoned, not just all the people imprisoned in the United States, China has literally millions of Muslims in concentration camps. So I'm going to say that no, Steve Kerr, we are not worse than China. We are not harvesting our prisoners' organs. We are not executing people in the streets. We are not subduing and extraditing uh, Hong Kong citizens. Jesus fucking 
Christ. This is the most embarrassing handling of any PR situation I've literally ever seen. Okay. Yeah, so continue. Yeah, so really, apologies to our audience. I got a FaceTime call there, and it just totally derailed everything. Um, so this will be fun to edit here in a few minutes. But the the, the big thing is, like, you you – all you have to do is side with America. Like no one's going to be – your your main market – and I get there are millions of people in China that you want to connect with. I get it. Like there's a lot of money over there. But aren't you already filthy rich enough? You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like the NBA is is struggling for to find fans. It's not like NASCAR where it's like it's it's a dying sport. The NBA is alive and well. I get you would love to connect with the Chinese – but I feel like if you take the path of, okay, fuck what the Chinese government is doing, number one, you're going to institute change. And number two, like you're still going to get fans over there as soon as the Chinese government stops censoring everybody, right? I mean, I think, I think that's the side you have to take. I don't understand how you could just come out and, and say, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that bad over there. I don't get it. It's, it's such a bad PR move on the NBA's part. And I, I, honestly, I think the I think Major League Baseball and the NFL are are fairly lucky they don't have the presence over there because I don't know if they'd handle it any better. I'm certain that they wouldn't handle it any better. But the thing, honestly, the biggest and most infuriating aspect of it is the fact that they have focused so much on social justice and the importance of it. And it shows that every statement they have ever made is completely empty. They don't actually care about the well-being of people. They care about being superior to, uh, to others and talking down to them. But the second that it takes any sort of sacrifice, that's when they decide to step away from it's it. It's amazing. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'll make five million less dollars next year than I would have this year. Whatever will I do? Hell, LeBron's worth half a billion. Even if he makes less... Fifty million less less next year. You're always talking about how about how the they're supporting the Democratic Party, where they're talking about how no one needs that much money. So maybe, just maybe, you could handle surviving without and that they, and actually stand on some level of principles. Maybe you could pull an Enos Cantor, you know, the guy who's been criticizing the Turkish government, where he's from, and has faced the consequences where he's actually almost been kidnapped to be sent back to Turkey and imprisoned. His family can't get jobs, and there, is, there are actual de- like hits out on him. But he still talks out and criticizes the Turkish government. But no, that's not, that's not enough for them. They're worried that they might lose a few million dollars, and that's going to be what stops and this them. Is, it is embarrassing. This ties it right into, you know, uh, maybe a little, we get a little too political here. But it's amazing to me, and I've always found it very interesting, that everybody else wants you to give away your money until they're on the side where people want their money. Right. Like the people that don't have any money or struggle to find work are like, well, the rich should pay more taxes so I can have a better life. But as soon as they get to the point where the government starts taking 33 to 40 percent of their paycheck, all of a sudden, you know, they're the same voters that are going back to the polls and saying taxes are too high. We need to cut taxes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it, it goes into, well, that actually on the fun, uh, we can finish off with this fun statistic I saw that 
apparently, I believe it was 42% of people, members of the Democratic Party and 20% of the Republican Party say that even if they have done nothing wrong, the rich, des- uh, the successful or rich and successful people should be taken down a peg or two from time to time. Yeah, I just don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't. It's I don't jealousy. Get the it's one hundred percent jealousy, and that's that's all it is. It's it's jealousy. Well, there's also there's also a common like there's a study done that if you if that asks the question, so would you rather take a job where you make seventy thousand dollars and the people around you make sixty thousand, or would you rather take a job where you make a hundred thousand dollars but the people around you make a hundred and fifty thousand? I would. And I'd want well everyone. I get it. Everyone chose everyone chose the 70,000 even though they would make it be making 30,000 fewer dollars. I get it. I get it because it's all about you just want to be better than everybody else, right? I take the 100 Gs all day. Oh, all yeah. day. Uh but we already hate ourselves, so that's <laughs> I mean it's Exactly. Fun. I already undersell myself as it is, so what 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 else is mm-hmm. new? Well, this is good since we're talking money and politics, we can dive right into my boomer of the week. Um, so my boomer of the week is, uh, is, is, it's an article, um, in the wall street journal shocker. Uh, so you, it's, it's titled, so you make $100,000, it still might not be enough to buy a home. And that pretty much sums up how most millennials feel. Um, the, the essential, um, part or this, the essential story behind the article is that housing and real estate prices have skyrocketed. And so now, even if you make six figures, you, you generally can't afford a home in metropolitan areas like Denver, Charlotte, um, Washington, D.C., and other you know areas where most jobs are. Um, my favorite excerpt from the article was, uh, was this, and it really hit home as a, as a uh, dumb millennial who doesn't understand what, how hard boomers had it being able to buy real estate for $20,000. Um, but I digress. My favorite expert of the article, excerpt of the article was this. It takes an annual household income of about $90,000. Ian, do you make $90,000? Because I don't make $90,000. I do not. To afford Denver's median-priced house, which costs around $471,000. Median-priced. That's middle That's middle of the road. If you're just an average Denverite, you live in a half-million-dollar house. Makes sense. It's not overvalued. But that is assuming buyers have 20% or about $94,000 for a down payment. Ian, do you have $94,000 in your bank account? I don't have $9,000 in my bank account. The lack of savings for a down payment in this country is grossly underestimated, said John Pulaski, who is most likely a boomer, who estimates that a typical renter's net worth is about $5,500. And that, my friends, is the boomer moment of the week. $5,500 is the average savings for for, uh, those who rent, and most people who rent, you could say, are um, millennials or Gen X. I would argue that that is actually an overstatement, an overestimate, because he didn't say how much their savings were. He said what their net worth was. And if you factor in student debt, the vast majority of renters would probably maintain a certain level of student debt that actually has a net negative 
uh, worth, which is actually probably closer to like tens of thousands of dollars. And so the only reason that it might be 5,500 is because of the people who rent like penthouse apartments in New York City or something like that, where it's so exorbitantly high, but they just have other real estate elsewhere. That is the only explanation I can provide for it. Uh, meanwhile, I'll provide my boomer of the week. So I told you about uh, the guy back in Minneapolis last week, and I think he must have stayed there recently. I think his name's uh, Ronnie, uh, and he so it's it he he must have stayed in that area because the headline I read and sorry I don't have it in front of me. Apparently, he doesn't like uh, whenever his turkey is served with some cheese curds. Uh, and so he, he decided that he was just gonna say, fuck it, get the hell out of the restaurant, just said, why are we even here, uh, when there's turkey and cheese curds right next to each other, and just got the, got up and made a huge scene about it, everybody was talking about it in the area, I... I mean, I can't think of a more entitled boomer than just deciding that just because these two things are together, that they that they can just make a huge scene and get pissy when they they set up the situation, they ordered the curds, the cheese curds, and the turkey. I mean, together. I don't know what he was so upset about. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I guess you just don't want to. Uh deal with uh with with turkey and and cheese curds uh when you're when you're a little outside your element right i mean we all know we all know this ronald person must be from new jersey or or new york city so uh you know it's it's weird for him to go to a place like minnesota which is which is in the middle east of the united states and uh and be served this weird dish of of Turkey and, I, and I believe it's curries. the it's the Midwest. It's the Midwest of the of the United yeah, States. Yeah, Middle East, Midwest. You, uh, you you misspoke. You misspoke. Yeah, that. sorry, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, very interesting. I, I enjoyed that. I I, I hope uh, I hope Ron um, doesn't face any consequences for for his actions there in the Middle West East. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the so after that we'll dive right into the games and we'll probably have to do a bit of a rush. Uh, it, people may have noticed we didn't spend much time talking about WVU at the beginning of the show. Uh, we can discuss it now, but there's not a whole lot that we can discuss without uh, <laughs> getting out a length of rope look, um, to address look, our feelings. Look, th- they're improving. Okay, I I get it. We lost. Uh, to our seven and a half listeners, I think they'll understand. We're probably not going to mention much about WVU uh, with the loss against Iowa State, and now we go on the road to Oklahoma. Um, not going to be good. Um, we'll just call it. Let's just say it'll probably be a bigger issue than the turkey and cheese curds and Ronald. A big, a bigger bloodbath. Yeah, no, yeah. it'll. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I will ask. I, there were two things. One. Uh, so the, I, I noticed that at, I think it was with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, we had two rushing yards. Not great. Not, not ideal. Uh, let averaging less than a yard, a, a quarter on the yep, ground. Not great. Um, and my second question was more of a question because I was so drunk that I didn't actually see any part of the first quarter for this game. Uh, what, why was Austin Kendall, 
either pulled out of the game or did he get injured? He got, he got hurt. Allison he got hurt. Um, it looked like maybe he, he tore up his shoulder a little bit. Um, probably precautionary. Uh, I don't think it would have made a difference in the game, but certainly didn't help that Captain Jack was under the helm. Okay. Yeah, no. So, the honestly, the first point I realized that it was Jack Allison – uh, playing quarterback because once again I was rather inebriated was when he threw an interception. Uh, boy, that was, was like, oh, boy, that, that was sense. in the second half. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't get to the bar until the second ah, half. Okay. So excellent, excellent. I was I was tailgating until the until halftime. Well, on that note, I think we can parlay this into my first uh, my first pick of the week here. I like Texas Tech over Iowa State at home. Do you? I do. Um, that line moving with the, the amount of tickets. You've got tickets and money on Iowa State. Texas Tech getting seven at home on noon this weekend. That is my first pick. I like Texas Tech over Iowa State. I think Purdy did not look impressive. I think they just played maybe mistake-free football. But the thing about this travel, you go to West Virginia uh, the week before, you get home, and then you go almost – 2,000 miles the other direction to shitty-ass Lubbock, Texas. So um, I think Texas Tech's a little bummed. They, they, you know, they, they held they – ha- they held. They they hung tough. Hung in. Yeah. Yeah, they hanged in there well with uh, with Baylor, a little suicide joke for our seven-and-a-half fans. Um, they okay. hanged well in there with Baylor, and uh, I think uh, – I think uh, – I think they, they, they cover that seven. Maybe I'd, I'd probably buy it at the seven-and-a-half. Okay. Uh, any other picks this week? That you, um, lead, you know, I, I think I think two very interesting line movement um, early on UCLA and Stanford. That line has gone from plus eight UCLA to uh, plus four UCLA with only twenty five percent of the tickets. So I, I I'm I love UCLA there. I think that's a sucker bet um, with Stanford being minus four, and, and I think UCLA probably wins that game. Um, nine o'clock on Thursday. Yeah, uh, that's. I think I agree with you on that. Neither of those teams are very good this year, and Stanford's managed to surprise. But I think that this is going to be one of those. I think UCLA is probably going to overperform, like they did against Washington State. I've got a stinker for you here: Houston minus twenty-two at Connecticut. Oh, uh, oh, uh, that's terrible. The slate this weekend sucks. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I think I I won't have much much action this weekend. None of these games really look that enticing. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. I think Virginia Tech's probably a good bet over North Carolina there at plus three and a half at home. Um, Baylor and Oklahoma State may be the best game of the weekend, to be honest with you. Bama's minus 34 um, over Tennessee. South Carolina getting four and a half at home over Florida. I think that's another sucker bet there um, where you're going to look at Florida four and a half and say, oh, yeah, Florida Florida definitely comes in and kicks the shit out of South Carolina. But I think South Carolina's playing with some piss and vinegar right now. So um, I kind of like South Carolina there at plus four and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they won. I'd be surprised if they won, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it within three. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, did you have any other picks this week, or can I make some of my um, own? Yeah, I think West Virginia doesn't cover, so I'll just go ahead and say that. I, I think you're going to be in the same boat. But, uh, yeah, make your picks. Yeah, no, I I was – that was where I was going to start. OU minus 34. Honestly, I think that we, we lose by six touchdowns. I think it's going to be an absolute massacre bloodbath. It will it will go all kinds of ways. I wish it wouldn't. And that's all that's all I need to say about Let's it. Let's just say that I, I've uh, made my plans on Saturday and watching the game is not one of them. <laughs> uh then I'll go to the ranked matchups of the week. Uh there's Michigan versus Penn State. I like it's Penn State at home. I like Penn State minus eight and a half. Uh, I, I just don't have any faith in Michigan. I, 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 I think I think Michigan wins this one. This one just feels like a like a bullshit Michigan win to me. I don't know why. Um, I think, I think Penn State. You know, it's Happy Valley, and um, at you know, it's going to be a whiteout seven thirty. It's going to be popping, but uh, I. I have no reasoning other than that. I think it's going to happen, but I think Michigan at least covers and probably wins. Yeah, I just depends that atmosphere whenever they have a whiteout is just dangerous, and so I think I think they win by ten. Um, then trying to rush through this, uh, ASU versus Utah at Utah. Uh, it's a thirteen and a half points. I actually like ASU plus thirteen and a half in this. I don't think that they win, but I think that they keep it close enough against a Utah team. Uh, all of Arizona State's games this year seem to have been pretty close. I think they managed to keep it close again, even if they don't pull out the victory. I like the two touchdowns. The fighting Herm Edwards. Yep. All right. Anything else? Uh, and then the last ranked game of the week, I'll take the home dogs of Washington as Oregon comes to visit. Big Pac-12 guy this weekend, huh? They were the ranked matchups, and that's how I picked the the games. I am the public. You are the public, you fucking bum. Okay, well, let's move into uh, let's let's move into the NFL. What do you like this weekend? Okay, so I have it looks. I have the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Dallas Cowboys. I like Philadelphia plus three here. I think that Dallas has just demonstrated that they are. With Dallas is missing Amari Cooper, and that's the big problem. Is that without Amari Cooper, they can't take advantage of the one weakness on Philadelphia's defense, and that's a problem. And if Philadelphia, like, you can't expect a team to just continue dropping the ball like that, so they're bound to get right eventually. At least that's the logic I'm yeah. using. They will get right. They can't. They like they. I think they may be on a historic drop rate, which just. You can't keep that I, up. So I think that Philadelphia wins this game. I'll take the points also. Yeah, I, I, I think you're completely wrong. I think the Dallas Cowboys are 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 looking to bounce back. I think they're going to come out a little more focused. Uh, Jason Garrett is coaching for his job for like the millionth time, and he seems to be pretty good at that so far. So uh, you are the public. Uh, you just said it. 70% of the tickets are on the Eagles, 30% on the Cowboys. The line has not moved at minus three. Um, I probably buy the hook down to two and a half, and I, I like the Cowboys in this game. It is worth noting what you were telling me before when I was saying that Dallas is actually good this year, that the teams that Dallas has beaten are the Dolphins, the Redskins, 
and the Giants before they went to Danny Dimes. Yep. And are we are we which, and we just talked about are we sure the Eagles are good? And I don't think they are. So you know what? Just add the Eagles to the list of the shitty teams the Cowboys have beat. Okay. Uh, then I have Houston versus Indiana in a pick'em. I think that Houston wins this game straight up. I just think they're the better team overall. Uh, and the only concern I have is if Indiana, Indianapolis can take advantage of the weakness at the offensive line. But Deshaun Watson is playing like an MVP candidate. Uh, he's just slinging it everywhere. I think that they end up winning a close game in the Indy. Are you sure that game's this weekend? I believe so. I just looked at it. Yeah, I, I'm not showing it on the on the trends. I can't find it here. Let me check again. Okay, you you make a pick while I check. On <laughs> okay, this. well while Ian tries to figure out what weekend his game is, uh, I really like the good old Detroit Lions to spin zone lose to the Vikings. I think. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on the Kirk Cousins train. I called this last week where I thought this was just going to be one of those games where the Vikings come out and surprise people, and I think this is going to be another one of them. So that's basically a pick I like the Vikings over the Lions um, for no other reason than that. I think it's hilarious to keep winning. Yeah. Uh, amazingly enough, when you actually set up your $87 million quarterback for success, he may actually be able to take advantage Sur- of it. On a Very surprising. Game. Very, very surprising. Yeah, we think, but it's also it's also worth noting that uh, it was the Eagles are now a uh, five hundred team, so that's why he was able to do it. Uh, yeah, Houston faces Indiana uh, Indianapolis this weekend Sunday at one p.m. Dickhead. Well, it's not on my screen, so uh, all right, we'll make the pick because I have no data on it one way or the other on that line. Okay, it's a pick'em game, and so I. I'm taking them. Uh, I'm taking the Houston Texans straight up. I just think they're the better team overall. And the only thing that uh, Indianapolis has going for it is a better coach, and I don't think that that can overcome it this week. I really love that uh, the the way Deshaun Watson keeps breaking down these defenses to the uh, to the uh, to the press. I think it's pretty interesting. So uh, on that note, yep. yeah, I, I kind of like the Texans here too. I think the Texans are 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 a good enough team um, to, to – they're on the road, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I think they can go into Indianapolis and beat that. If that's a pick I think that's a pretty good pick there. Um, but I won't have any action on it. Uh, I guess uh, one more for you, Ian. I'll let you pick this one. Uh, Pat's Jets. You're a big Sam Darnold guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was closer than expected, but there's no team – better at covering the spread over the last 20 years than the Patriots. I think betting against the Patriots, even though it won't always work out for you, it usually will. Uh, It's probably going to end up being like an 11-point win or a 14-point win, and they'll end up covering the 10-point spread. Fair enough. I think... Um, I had one more game. I think Baltimore, uh, give me the points. I think they lose by three in Seattle. Anything else? That's it? Nope, that's all. Uh, okay, well, I guess I need, I need to put my dick on the line here. Uh, my stone-cold lock of the century of the week is going to be South Carolina plus four and a half. Mark it down. Put it in your books. Let's see if I can go for four, street, four straight weeks. 
I'm going to be so fucking pissed at the end of the season when you manage to pull off these bullshit calls every fucking It's the Stone Cold Lock of the Century of the Week, baby. Get in there early. It's a noon game. I'm putting the whole fucking house on South Carolina. All $5,500 of my net worth as a millennial. So on that note, if you have any other uh, comments, questions, or concerns, uh, Ian? Oh, um... Well, I've got lots of questions and concerns, but I'll leave those for my therapist. Uh, don't forget to fade the public. Fade the public, you seven and a half listeners. And uh, Marone's an idiot. We'll see if uh, – Marone, if, if you hear this section, I want you to um, – what do we want Marone to do so we can validate that she's not listening? I don't I, I don't want her to do anything. If you're <laughs> – if you're listening to this, this section, Marone, you're an idiot and uh, call us out for it. Uh, if not, we know you don't listen anyway. So thanks for listening and uh, Fade the Public. We'll see you next week. See you next week.